Hello, friends. This is Darren Hayes of PigSceneDispatch.com. Before we take you to your favorite Sports History Network show, just want to tell you a little bit about some merch that you can pick up that represents your favorite SHN podcast. So far, there's t-shirts, coffee mugs, and even books from some of the authors that do podcasts right here on SHN. Who could buy something better than that than have the history right from the, the gentleman that you hear talking about it? But we also are adding things each and every day. And where's that store, may you ask? Well, it's at SportsHistoryNetwork.com. Up at the top, there is the SHN. HN merch button. Click on that. It'll take you right to the store and you can be representing your favorite podcast and show the world that, hey, on the swag that I'm using, it's the headquarters of sports yesteryear, Sports History Network, and my favorite podcaster, the Sports History Network store. Shop there today. Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, aka the Football History Dude, and I'm coming at you with another one of our FHD Vault episodes for you. So last week we had Chris Willis on to talk about Bronco Nagurski. You know, Chris Willis over at NFL Films had a research. So I figured why not dig deep into that vault and let's go learn more about Chris Willis's time at NFL Films, a little bit about Red Grange, and anything else that comes up. So this episode was actually a two-parter. It was aired first originally on March 11th of 2020, and then we had the following week. So today we'll listen to part one, and then tomorrow we'll listen to part two. If you're listening to this on part two, it's the same thing. Today you're listening to part two, and yesterday you listened to part one. So, kick back, relax, and listen to the first time we had Chris Willis on the Football History Dude podcast. And after you do that, go take a look at Chris Willis all over the Sports History Network because many of our football history-related shows have had some kind of influence from Chris, either as an interview or even the Orville Mulligan podcast he provided research for, especially in the Chicago episode. Head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast so you can see all of the different shows that we have over there. Today you listened to part two, and yesterday you listened to part one. So, on April 10th, 1925, a historic book was published. The book was authored by F. Scott Fitzgerald and was titled The Great Gatsby. It would go down as a true classic of the 20th century. Now, this book was released in the middle of what was called the Golden Age of Sport, and almost 100 years later, this week's guest wrote a book spanning the life of one of the legends of the gridiron that helped put the NFL on the map, and it all revolved around a nickname, The Galloping Ghost. Welcome to the Football History Dude Podcast, where each episode is a journey back in time to learn about the rich history of the NFL. Your host is Arnie Chapman. Football is his passion, and he wants you to come along with him to explore the yesteryear of the gridiron. So hop on board his DeLorean, and let's get this baby up to 88 miles per hour. This time as we step off the DeLorean, 
We're walking out with a turkey leg because it is Thanksgiving Day in 1925 at Wrigley Field in Chicago, Illinois. And we're in the stands now because we're here as part of a sellout crowd to watch the galloping ghost in his debut with the Chicago Bears. This guy, Red Grange, I tell you what, this dude was electric. He was mythical. He was the first true NFL superstar, helping put the NFL on the map with his barnstorming tours. And this week's guest happened to release a book not that long ago covering the life of Red Grange. The Wheaton Iceman, the Galloping Ghost, all sorts of other names. But again, the NFL's first superstar. This week's guest is Chris Willis, head of the research library at NFL Films. He is a member of the Urbana University Sports Hall of Fame, a nominee and winner of a sports Emmy, winner of the Professional Football Researchers Association Ralph Hay Award, which is given to those for a lifetime achievement in professional football research and historiography. Also, for the same organization, he was awarded the Nelson Ross Award for the time that his first book released. And oh yeah, speaking of an author, he has now authored seven books. Seven books on the history of football. But you'll find out why Red Grange was the one that was the most special to him. And I'll go ahead and leave links to all of Chris's books for you and the show notes and his dedicated page, which by the way, you can get to the dedicated page for Chris Willis by heading to thefootballhistorydude.com slash Chris Willis. Again, that's thefootballhistorydude.com slash Chris Willis. Also, while you're at it, I ask that you please subscribe for free to this show by mashing that little subscribe button in your podcast player of choice. That way you get the hottest, freshest off the press episodes, well, each and every week. But before we get back into the interview, I got to remind you, now this is part two of what is a two-part series. So if you haven't listened to Part one first, well, then mash that pause button, go back, listen to part one, and then let's go ahead and bring it on home. But if you have already listened to part one, then let's get after it. Yeah, and because it's such a storied uh, organization, we'll call it, you started back in 95 as an intern. You've been there for, oh, geez, I'm not going to add the math now, but what's that, 25 years or so? Uh if you could go back and you could tell yourself in 1995 one piece of advice of what you learned over the past 25 seasons, what would that be? Wow, that's a good question. Um, advice. I, I would think um, that advice would probably be, uh, you know, to just never give up. You know, I, I think, uh, you know, the thing I enjoy, you know, is that I still enjoy going to work every day. Um I don't get tired of it, you know. Uh, there's going to be things that I don't like. There's going to be things I do like, <laughs> but uh, but I feel blessed that hey, you know what? Each day, you know, you have a great chance of like you know doing this great work and preserving this history, you know. So so don't like I said, don't ever give up and just enjoy what you're doing, you know, because um, you know, like I said, time like I said, I would think that 25 years will go by so quick, <laughs> and um, but you know, I'm still fairly young, so it's you know, you know, I still got some years that I can continue to do great work and, and to do the things that I'm passionate about. And, and like I said, a lot of great people I work with, you know, on a daily basis. And so, um, so I think advice is, you know, maybe never give up and, and just keep going. And, um, cause like I said, it's not something I get tired of. Uh, like I said, even after, you know, almost 25 years, you know, I, I'm not tired of, of what I do and, and the people I work with. Yeah. I, 
you're talking to someone too that it just it, it's super cool to be able to go back and look at the history of the game and i appreciate people like you and others that have help preserve the the game and help uncover the little gridiron knowledge nuggets for people like me to be able to share with fans of the show. And uh, of all that, what would you say was your favorite project to work on at NFL films? Okay. Um, that's a tough one too. Um, um, <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I mean, I know say, there's probably many. Yeah. yeah. No, there's many. No, no. I, I'll pick out two. Um, you know, uh, that I liked, I think the best, um, one was back in 1999. Um, we did an HBO documentary on Johnny Unitas. Um, and I just thought that that was, uh, I mean, he's one of my favorite, uh, sort of all time guys, you know, um, and, uh, you know, watching his footage. So for us to do an hour documentary on Johnny Unitas, uh, uh, I just thought it was great, you know, going back through the footage and, we did a long interview with him and, um, which we hadn't done in years, you know, with the Unitas and, um, and I thought the show just turned out very well and stuff. So, um, so that's one of my, I think one of my favorite projects to, to be a part of. Um, uh, and I think I, I would have to say this past year, I, I, I know it's just real current, but I think because of you only do, um, a 100 season, you know, one time. Uh, I thought the stuff we did this past fall um, was some of the best stuff we've, we've ever done, you know, uh, or at least since I've been there, you know, um, the 100 greatest series, um, the all time team, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, those type of programming. Uh, I thought we did, you know, we sort of hit home runs. I, I think if you watched a lot of, I mean, the, the 100 greatest was 20 hours. It was just, a lot of shows, a lot of work, but, uh, like you said, it was, but it was all his, you know, that, that was what I liked the best about it. You know, as much as I liked doing some of the new stuff and we follow the game and the, the Super Bowl was great, you know, you got some great stars like Patrick Mahomes. Um, but to be able to see us do 20 hours of historical stuff, um, especially for that top 100 greatest series, uh, I just thought it was tremendous, you know, um, um, and the same thing with Peyton Places. Uh, which was on ESPN Plus, if you were able to watch that streaming, those 30 shows were just awesome. You know, Peyton Manning was great as a host. He's interviewing all these big, great players like Emmitt Smith and Jim Brown uh, and Don Shula, you know. So to see us do that type of work, I think, this past fall, because a lot of it was just great historical stuff and you're learning about history. And, and even as much as I have gone through, I was learning a lot of stuff like, oh, man, this is great. Um uh, I think be a part of that, you know, you know, cause it's only going to come around once, you know, uh, I think some of those shows and some of those projects were, um, just tremendous and, and, and seeing that history come out. Yeah, I agree. You guys do a fantastic job retelling the history of the game and getting the generation that's nowadays in, interested in what it was like a hundred years ago and then all throughout the, the seasons. And I think that it was important to have, like you said, it was a lot of work. I totally get that, but it was extremely important for fans nowadays to realize where the game came from and how it was built. And it wasn't always just taken for granted like it is now for, I mean, we just know what's going to be honest, the number one sport in America, but that wasn't always the case. Well, absolutely. I mean, I'm a huge fan of anything historical. Um, uh, so I, I love seeing it. I love seeing, you know, um, you know, whether it's us, 
you know, the NFL Films or NFL Network. Uh, I know NFL Network just did a, uh, a documentary on Fritz Pollard, you know, um, uh, for Black History Month this past year. And, and I just great. I mean, we didn't do it. They did it at NFL Network and it was just awesome to, to hear more about Fritz Pollard. So, uh, so I love, yes, I think the game, just cause the game is so popular and has grown so much, you know, uh, especially, you know, you know, since the Super Bowl era, uh, it's nice to see how the game got started. That's the reason why I, I, a lot of my book projects are all on early days because as much as I love today and I plan my weekends around watching college football on Saturdays, NFL, you know, on Sunday, Monday and Thursday nights, I still love how we got started. How did this game that everybody does all their fall weekends and they fancy football and they're watching the games, they're spending money and it's such a huge thing as part of the American culture. How did they get started? So I love seeing the history, you know, even like I said, your show or podcasts or social media or websites, anything that it sort of brings out why some, you know, the game is so great. And, and because I think a lot of these guys who did it in the twenties and thirties and forties when it wasn't the most popular sport, they weren't getting paid that much. They deserve all that credit. Like I, I can talk about Red Grange and, and Joe Carr and Dutch Clark all day because they're the reason why I care about the game or, you know, I, you know, why I work for NFL films, you know, why I spend all the time doing this is because they give me that, they gave me that luxury to be able to do that. You know, whether it's, you know, you know, make a living or, you know, write a book or, you know, or, or that type of stuff. So, um, so I'm all for, you know, sort of giving them their due and, and showing the history and where it got started and how it got so big. So, you know, there's a lot, there's still a lot of great stories that don't that have been uncovered or, or people aren't quite as known, you know, about or, 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 or that the regular fan base knows. So, you know, even like Fritz Pollard, it was just nice to see that, you know, you know, I think it was last Sunday when it premiered, you know, that some people probably don't even know the story of Fritz Pollard, you know, but he's just like Jackie Robinson, but everybody knows Jackie Robinson, but people don't know Fritz Pollard quite as much. So it's, so it's nice to see a lot of the, the history get out there and people know about it. What would be the one project that you like your bucket list project that you'd want to be able to be a part of that you haven't been able to be a part of yet um you know which way in films or in writing uh for nfl films that is like what would you like to have them have a story on that they haven't yet uh one that i i've always thought we should do and i'm I'm hoping this year will be it (laughs) i've been pitching it for years (laughs) Is one on Brian Piccolo. That's the one I would like to see. I think, um, if people know the name, they know Brian's song, they know the movie, but, um, Brian, but Brian Piccolo is not James Kahn. You know, everybody thinks, oh, you know, he didn't even look, you know, like, like the actor. So, um, so I'd like to see us do something about him and his life that shows who he was and, and what he did and his legacy. I mean, uh, this year is the 50th anniversary of, of him passing away. So, I'm hoping that we do something, you know, a little bit more of a deeper dig and, and fuller type of show on him and, and, and what he's meant, you know, because it's, it's been 50 years, you know, since he passed away. You know, he's only 26 years old when he passed away. That, But his legacy and his impact is, I think, still felt. And so I'd like to – he's the one um, that, like I said, I've been pushing. Hopefully that gets done this year. Yeah, it'd be good timing. I mean, like you said, 50th anniversary and – Speaking of projects and bucket lists, you have many books. Your most recent was the Red Grange story. Uh, how did that come about, and why did you choose that? 
Yeah, red's been uh, probably uh, number one at the top of my list of, of any type of writing project. Uh, but uh, as I was going into some of my first couple book projects, you know, I I wanted to do a couple other things first, and so, uh, but always in the back of my mind, I thought, okay, I'm going to do something on Red Grange. Uh, so, you know, uh, starting like 1998 is when I started really looking into his life and career a little bit more. Um, one of the best things that came about was eBay, uh, which was probably a, a good thing and a bad thing because I sort of tried to buy anything that I could on Grange at that time. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, but, but over the years, that was, you know, it took me almost 20 years before I started writing. So a lot of that stuff I collected and was able to pick up helped with my research. So, so Red was always at the top of my list. He was somebody that I was fascinated with. He's the first kind of superstar of the NFL and was such a great person too, you know, on and off the field. So, um, so roughly in around 2016, I had noticed as we were getting closer, uh, to the NFL's 100th season in 2019, I was like, um, the light bulb finally went off and, and I was kind of finishing, um, my, my book project, uh, with the Oorang Indians. And I was like, well, that's it. That's going to be the tie in is here's the first kind of superstar of the NFL and here's the NFL's 100th season. So, so in 2016, I presented that to my, uh, editor, um, at Rowan and Littlefield and they, she loved the idea. She loved the hook, and then uh, so that was what got me started. And, and um, you know, obviously, you know, when you have a hook like that, marketing in your sales. <laughs> um, but um, uh, but that was sort of what got me got me going on that topic. So uh, uh, and then I went from there. I, I, like I said, I had twenty years of, of, of stuff that I had accumulated. Then I did more interviews more research took more trips um to spots where he lived and, and went to school and, and played um so it was yeah it's it was my it's my seventh book and it's probably that and, and my one on joe Carr. but it's, it's definitely one of my favorite just because of the time i put into it and, and the effort of, of telling his story i know there had been a few things written about him before you know it's a few books but this was going to be like a complete sort of definitive look at them so that's the way i wanted it i mean if, if you look at it it's, it's pretty detailed um uh it's roughly like you know over, over 450 pages uh, you know almost so um or a little over 400 pages you know so um so it's a real detailed look at them but that's the way i wanted i wanted to, to try to find as much as i could and, and i thought i did that and so um so that's how that project came about and why Sort of came out in 2019, obviously with the NFL's 100 season. So he was considered the NFL's first true superstar. Do you think that the gap between him and, say, the second most known player of his generation was the greatest of the 100 years? Or would there be another time where you're like, okay, no, this guy was like head and shoulders above the rest as far as popularity? Well, I mean, for me, Red was always. Uh, I mean, obviously you had Jim Thorpe, but Jim Thorpe's best career or best years were before the NFL was founded, you know, you know, 1915, 1916, 1917, before World War I. And then when the NFL founded, you know, he was much older, was not dynamic. So when Red came around in 1925, you know, he was the biggest 
you know, him and Babe Ruth were the biggest sports stars, not just football. It was the biggest sports stars in the country, you know. So, um, so when he signed with the Bears and became, you know, a, a pro football player, you know, there was nobody like you. You know, there was nobody doing Hollywood movies. There was nobody doing endorsements. You know, there was nobody, you know, that, that, you know, wrote, you know, uh, you know articles and papers. Like, he was the first. NFL player that was doing all that, you know, Babe Ruth had done it in baseball, but baseball was the number one sport. So, so that's why I think Red was the first superstar. Now, the next one that came after me, it took a while because uh, as you go through some of the newspapers and some of the accounts, there was always here's the next Red Grange, here's the next Red Grange. Well, that lasted for a while. <laughs> you know, uh, there's many articles over the next you know ten to fifteen, twenty years that said, oh, here's the next Red Grange. You know. Where now you get that kind of comment. Well, who's going to be the next, you know, you know, uh, Brett Favre? Who's going to be the next Tom Brady? Who's going to be the next Peyton Man? Like you get that a lot, you know, going forward, you know. So, um, so it took a while, you know, I, I would say probably, I mean, um, I mean, you know, you could say Sammy Ball in the, in the late thirties. So that was more than a decade afterwards, but I don't think Sammy had the, national appeal that Grange had. Same thing with Sid Luckman, um, you know, in, in the late thirties and early forties. Don Hudson did not have the national appeal as Red, although he was a great, great player. Uh he played in Green Bay, so you know, that wasn't as so you could almost say until, you know, Johnny Unitas came around in the fifties that maybe somebody had that type of appeal, you know. Um, you know, even Jim Brown a little bit. But those were both in the late fifties, early sixties. So you know, um, so that's why Red is hat, and I think he's one of the few players. Like when you talk, especially like last year with the NFL's 100 season, if you say who are the pioneers, you know, Thorpe and Grange are the first two players off the off your name, off your sort of who you're going to talk about. You know, then it jumps to you know the 40s, 50s, and 60s. You know, so but the non-casual, even non-football fan knows the name Red Grange probably. Oh yeah, you know, it's almost like Babe Ruth. You know, or Bobby Jones in golf, you know, like you might hear the name, you instantly know who they are. And there's not that many NFL players from the first 20, 30 years that you know right off the bat. Even Don Hudson, as great as Don Hudson is, you can almost say he's one of the greatest four or five players of all time, regardless of position. The average fan or even the non-average fan or don't know anything about the NFL don't know who Don Hudson is, but they might know who Red Range is. Even when I was doing my research, I had, I've heard of the name Red Grange, but then of course Don Hudson is, I had to acquire that name and what the, uh, the gap really was with him and everybody else during his era. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, but on a national or like on a historical, like Hudson's name gets lost. He's not, right. you know, like I said, like I mentioned, like with Babe Ruth or Ty Cobb, you at least know, oh yeah, or, you know, Jack Dempsey or Joe Lewis in boxing or, Bobby Jones and golf, like, you might not know what Babe Ruth statistically did or maybe even, you know, what his impact was, but you know he played base. Oh, that's Babe Ruth. He's one of the early baseball stars. Well, football doesn't quite have that as much, you know, even as great as, as popular it is today, the Don Hudson's and the Sammy Balls and the, you know, Sid Luckins aren't quite as well known as maybe like a Babe Ruth or a Ty Cobb in other sports. For sure. And again, going back to why I'm glad that you and, Others help preserve the history. Uh, speaking of Red Grange, you have a website for the book, right? Yes, redgrangebook.com uh, is, is out there. So if you want uh, to look at the book, um, 
there's additional information on the website, you know, uh, shows his game by game history, a lot more on the barnstorming tour, which is a famous barnstorming tour that he did when he turned pro. Uh, there's game by game stuff on there. Um, there's additional stuff about events and, and, uh, reviews and stuff like that. So, um, so yeah, so redgrainbook.com gives you a little bit more background on, on the galloping ghost. And the, per, I guess this is more, this is probably a personal, but also a, uh, NFL films organizational perspective. You guys were nominated and then also won sports Emmys for a couple projects, didn't you? That you were directly on? That I was? Yeah. Um, uh, I've been nominated just a couple of times. You know, we did an HBO documentary on Pro Football 1950s um, that, that aired in 2001. So I was part of that team that did that show. That was nominated. But more recent, uh, I've helped on Hard Knocks. So if you watch Hard Knocks on HBO, our training camp show uh, this past year was with the Oakland Raiders. Uh, that's been nominated several times. Uh, we've won. Uh, for the Houston Texans year and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers year. So um, that's a grind to work on. It's like six, seven weeks of, you know, every day, you know, we're shooting every day, but it's, it's a tremendous show to be a part of because uh, people respond to it. People love watching it. it gives a behind the scenes look that not too many shows do. So, uh, so I love working on it, but like I said, it does, it's it's a grind to work on each week because you're you're there every day you're there over the weekend and uh, you plow through a lot of footage just to see about an hour worth but it's um but we've been been honored for that show and and it's gets a good response from fans yeah they're very uh, entertaining like you said there's so much footage that gets chopped down into small little bites that we're able to consume and a question that I ask everybody uh, in the show is a DeLorean question. I'm going to give you the keys to my DeLorean. You can go back and point in time any moment before you were born. You can't change the outcome, and it has to be before you were born. What moment in the NFL are you going to so you could be an observer? Wow. Okay. Um, wow, that's a tough one. Because there's several things I would want to go to. <laughs> there's, um, uh, I guess, the two that I would pick right off the top of my head. One would be, Red Grange's first game as a pro, uh, in Thanksgiving 1925, the Bears against the Cardinals, just to see him play as, as an NFL player and, and see all the hype and, and all that, you know, just sold out crowd there at Cubs Park, which is Wrigley Field. Uh, so just to see him play, uh, would be tremendous. And I would probably, uh, go to the 1958 NFL championship game, uh, to see United sort of star sort of rise and um, see that overtime game against the Giants uh, in New York. So, uh, so I would pick those two moments to, to go back in time. Yeah. A couple of iconic moments to be able to be there in person. And I know that the one, of course we had on video that we've seen over and over and over the red Grange. Is there any video of that one? There is a newsreel. Um, uh, it's probably like two minutes long. So there's been, so there's a little bit of highlight. The game was zero zero. So it didn't, it didn't have a touchdown, <laughs> but just to be there and, and sort of, uh, see that historical moment would, would be nice. So, but there is a little bit of footage of his first game and, and playing against the Cardinals. Well, we'll see if we can't find that and put some links to the show notes for you. And then, uh, speaking of links or anywhere else you'd like to visit or the fans of the show to check out your work at. Uh, yeah, I mean, 
the only other spot is there's a website. I don't know if your fans or yourself, uh, Pro Football Journal, um, is a, uh, a website that does a lot of historical, uh, looks at things. And, um, I contribute there, um, you know, maybe once or twice a month. Uh, John Turney is a, a good pro football historian, runs the site and it's got a lot of unique, um, tidbits and, uh, you know, articles that are easy to read. They're kind of quick. It's, it's, it's more of a blog post. And, uh, so I contribute some of my writing to there, uh, of certain historical topics and, and look back at things. So, uh, so pro football journal, if you have a chance, uh, check that out. All right, cool. And we'll add that to the show. And with your, uh, 25 seasons worth of NFL films experience and all the digging, diving back in history of the game. You have any last piece of words of wisdom for the fans of the show? No, I, I just appreciate what you're doing, Ernie. And like I said, anything to sort of, uh, you know, have the history of the game preserved and, and get people interested in it, whether it's talking about it or listening to it, you know, some subjects that they might not know about or people they might not know about. So, uh, you know, there's a hundred years of it now, and there's a lot of stories that that are still being uh, told and can be told. So, uh, so keep up the good work. But yeah, just just plow through things and try to find as much as you can. All right, Chris. Well, thank you for stopping by in DeLorean, riding shotgun with this, and uh, we'll catch you on the other side. All right. Thanks, Ryan. Appreciate it. There you go, Chris Willis head of the Research Library at NFL Films, and seven-time author of books on the history of the gridiron. Now, I hope that you enjoyed these past two episodes and were able to, you know, enjoy Chris riding shotgun with this, taking us back, peeling the curtain for NFL Films, sharing with us all the extreme knowledge he has about the history of the game and all the books that he wrote for us. And I'll tell you what, if you enjoyed this show and you think that there's one more, at least one more football geek such as yourself out there that you think would enjoy this or even any other episodes of the Football History Do podcast, send them to the website. That is thefootballhistorydo.com and tell them they might as well subscribe for free to this show by mashing their subscribe button on their podcast player choice. That way next week when the new episode releases, they'll be one of the first to know about it. But for now, dudes, I'm through if you're through. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Football History Dude. To make sure you're the first to get the next episode, please subscribe on your podcast player of choice and head on over to thefootballhistorydude.com for the show notes and more information on the history of the NFL. And remember, dudes, where we're going, we don't need roads. Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman aka the football history dude and i wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the sports history network our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear and if you didn't know it already we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics in fact here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network this is Mark Mortier, and if you're a sports history fan like me, tune in and hear me talk about some great sports moments of the past. Growing up during the 1970s, I got to watch some of the most iconic moments in sports history. Hank Aaron breaking Babe Ruth's home run record. Willis Reed limping out of the locker room in Game 7 of the NBA Finals at Madison Square Garden as the fans erupted with a thunderous ovation. The 1980 Miracle on Ice as Team USA defeated the powerful Soviet Union in the Olympics. 
Listen every Tuesday on Yesterday Sports. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.